Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results, made just for us. From the ultimate girl bomb grip to the professional grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girl Bomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb, available at Walgreens. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hello, and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike, and today I want to share with you my top five public domain movie ideas. If you don't know what public domain is, I'll explain it along with some characters that have already entered the public domain and will be public domain within the next 10, 15, 20 years. In the movie review, we'll be talking about Self-Reliance, which is a new comedic thriller on Hulu. And in the trailer park, what could be one of the best live-action kids' movies in a long time. It's a movie called If, from director John Krasinski, starring Ryan Reynolds and Steve Carell. I have a good feeling about this one. Thank you for being subscribed. Thank you for listening every single week. Shout-out to the Monday Morning Movie crew. And now, let's talk movies. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I was inspired to do this episode after Mickey Mouse entered the public domain. What exactly does that mean? Well, in this case, Steamboat Mickey was introduced back in 1928. So it's now been 95 years since the debut of Mickey Mouse. So now... It has entered the public domain, meaning you can make a movie, you can make a TV show using Steamboat Mickey and Disney cannot sue you because technically the copyright has now expired for Steamboat Mickey. So in its simplest terms, the public domain refers to the content, ideas, or creative works that are not protected by intellectual property laws like copyright or patent. So this is different from, say, Nike put out something 
95 years ago, you can't just start making Nike stuff. But when it comes to art, you can, whether it be movies, music, or TV ideas. After 95 years, anybody can use them, share them, modify them freely without the need to request permission or request payment, which is probably the most important factor in all of this. And you may be thinking, well, why does law allow this? This sounds kind of like an infringement on somebody's ideas, on somebody's creativity. And I had to kind of think about that too, because if I created something that went on to build an entire media empire like Disney, or even as we get into some of these other characters like Marvel and DC, I wouldn't want that taken away from me. But in the research I did on public domain, they say that this allows for the widespread availability and use of creative and intellectual works that goes to benefit the public. So essentially something has become so popular and so great that allowing other people to interpret this art, to make their own versions, to change it a little bit, actually benefits everybody. And they also want to limit monopolies when it comes to characters. If one company just has control of an intellectual property like this, it's seen as a monopoly. And in the United States, in the world, monopolies aren't great. So, okay. Steamboat Mickey debuted back in 1928, meaning that all the way through 2023, you couldn't do anything. So this would be the 96th year. This is the first year that you could put out something with Steamboat Mickey, and they're already working on things. There's a trailer that dropped that is a horror movie with Mickey as the villain. But of course, there are some rules that you have to follow. First of all, you have to make sure that the version you are using is the exact same version that is public domain. So you have to use the character design that is over 95 years old, Steamboat Mickey. You can't go and grab a Mickey from the 60s or 80s and say, oh, I'm good. He's totally public domain. It is only that version. So when we're looking at some of these works, it has to be the actual work that debuted 95 years ago. From that creator, from that artist, from that author, it has to be that version. Otherwise, you will still end up getting sued. And there are some other gray areas because Disney has been fighting for the rights for Mickey Mouse to not be public domain, saying that, hey, this is a part of our entire brand, so allowing people to use him will hurt our brand because it's embedded in every single thing that we do. But still, that went away and it was able to enter the public domain. And this isn't a brand new concept. It's just now that a lot more of these iconic characters that we only associate with one company like Disney these have now been around for 95 years, but there are other examples in movies and TV that have been public domain for a while now. I'll go through some of those now. Characters like Tarzan, Sherlock Holmes, Alice in Wonderland, Dracula, Hercules, Robin Hood, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, The Wizard of Oz, King Kong. Those are all public domain characters. So that is why you have seen different versions of these stories and that's also why so many of these have different versions that come out every few years because you don't have to pay for the rights to them. We often associate a character like Snow White with Disney, but in the last 10, 15 years, we have seen darker versions of Snow White. We've seen spinoffs of it, and it's because that character is public domain. So anybody is allowed to make a movie for profit as long as they are doing it based on that original character in that original source material. That is the key component here. 
The other thing we've seen is very wholesome characters enter into the public domain. And once that happens, they don't have to be wholesome anymore. There is what is being called a public domain horror universe happening right now. And Jagged Edge Productions is behind a lot of these movies coming out right now. Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey was a movie that came out that took Winnie the Pooh and made him a serial killer. It's even getting a sequel that is introducing Tigger called Blood and Honey 2, which is coming out later this year. They're also working on Bambi the Reckoning, which looks like maybe it's going to be something of Bambi finally getting her revenge. You also have Peter Pan's Neverland Nightmare. All of these movies are becoming a part of this public domain horror universe. Here are some other characters that people are just itching, waiting for them to enter the public domain in the next 10 to 15 years. J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit will be public domain in 2033. In 2034, Superman will enter the public domain. Also in 2034, James Bond will enter into the public domain. This is a big one. In 2035, Batman will enter in because he first debuted in 1939's Detective Comics number 27. Captain America will enter in 2036. Wonder Woman will enter in 2037, who debuted in the 1941 All-Star Comics. He also has some more Disney characters like Pluto in 2026, Donald Duck in 2030. DC's Shazam in 2035, The Flash in 2036, Aquaman in 2037, and Godzilla in 2050. So it sounds like the pressure is on James Gunn to get this DC universe in order before all these characters enter the public domain. Imagine if we could get to a point where all the DC and Marvel characters are in public domain and we can finally get that Marvel versus Capcom movie. I love that video game. That would be amazing. But what I want to share with you are my top five ideas for public domain movies. These are characters from my favorite movies and ideas that I would have if I had free reign to use these characters without having to pay for them. So I'll give you the character, the year that this movie could potentially come out because it'll be the first year they'll be eligible in public domain. I'll give you the title of my public domain movie and the overall synopsis of what I think this movie would be about. And I put them in order from earliest to latest. At number five, I have my favorite superhero of all time, Spider-Man, who will enter in the public domain in 2053. He first debuted in a comic book back in 1962 titled Amazing Fantasy number 15. So this actually wasn't even the first ever Amazing Spider-Man comic, which this was kind of a throwaway issue. Amazing Fantasy wasn't really working. They were going to cancel this comic. So Stan Lee was like, all right, I've been working on this character, Spider-Man. Let me just throw him in, introduce his origin story, and then we'll see what happens. This issue debuted and people loved it. And the character was so popular that he went on to get his own series, The Amazing Spider-Man. So he was created by writer Stan Lee and artist Steve Ditko, and he was an instant sensation with readers. So I would seek my inspiration from this comic, which I think the movies have really kind of not incorporated all the things that make Spider-Man Spider-Man from the comics, which, of course, to make big movie adaptations, you got to change the character up a little bit. But going back to the source material, making him a ultra nerd again, but also reminding people of the level of strength that Spider-Man has. If you read these early comics, he gets those powers from a spider, which a spider can do really amazing things and lift things compared to its body weight. 
So you take that and put it into a human, how strong he actually is sometimes isn't showcased as much as it should be in the movies. The other thing is his humor. Spider-Man has always been a very witty character and written so well in the comics that that personality just oozes out of the character. So I think for this movie, it very much needs to be a Spider-Man high school comedy. Think about a superhero movie that meets the comedy of Super bad. And I would call the movie Peter Parker. We haven't really seen a movie that just focuses on the story of Peter Parker, where in this film, I don't think you do any of the superhero stuff. I want all of this to focus on a storyline of him and high school, his best friend, Harry, Mary Jane, and all of the funny situations that happen with that. And I would pull a lot of the source material from that original Amazing Spider-Man run. In that first issue, there is a situation he gets into where he gets paid and they make the check out to Spider-Man and then he goes to the bank and tries to cash that check and they won't cash it for him because they're like, hey, you need some form of ID. You need a social security number. You need a way to prove to us that you are Spider-Man. And he's like, what, this suit isn't enough? And they're like, no, anybody could put on the suit. So he got paid for doing something as Spider-Man and then can't cash the check. There are a lot of things in the comics that are very funny like this. And I think it would be great to showcase some of these moments and not so much about all the action, the origin story, all the things that we just expect out of a Spider-Man movie. You really take all of that out and just focus on the things that would be funny of being a teenager with super capabilities and helping people, getting into relationships, hooking up with people, all the things that you'd find funny in a movie like Superbad, put them in with the character of Peter Parker. And Peter Parker is also a very clean-cut, straight-laced, kind of square guy who I think Tobey Maguire really got that across in his movies. You amplify that up even a little bit more, and you make Harry Osborn kind of a bad influence <laughs> For some reason, I just have this plot line of Harry trying to convince Peter Parker the entire time to say a curse word. Come on, man, I'm going to get you to say the F word. And then maybe by the finally at the end of the movie, he actually does. And the tone I'm thinking in my head, if you remember that scene in Spider-Man 3 where he starts to become the jerk Peter Parker, he looks so emo and he does that dance scene with this song. Which at the time, this scene seemed... Like it totally killed the vibe in this movie. Like it totally messed up the tone. But looking back on Spider-Man 3, that is one of the biggest things that we remember. It is the funniest moment and really is the true essence of Peter Parker and how funny he actually was. So you take this same tone and you throw it into this high school comedy. And I just think that feels super fresh, super funny. And in 2058, which who knows if superhero movies will still be a thing, it would feel a little bit nostalgic to have that 2000s comedy vibe. So at number five, I have Peter Parker, which could first come out in 2058. At number four on my list of public domain movies, the group of characters are the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which were introduced in the first TMNT comic book back in 1984, created by artists Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, who financed this entire comic with a tax refund and a family loan and have created an entire empire of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from TV shows, action figures, movies, and have brought it all the way back around to the comics and are putting out some really great graphic novels right now. This one will be a while, but TMNT will enter into the public domain in 2080, and my idea for a TMNT movie would be 
a sci-fi action movie. Think about Blade Runner 2049 meets the Batman with Robert Pattinson. And I would call the movie TMNT 2084. So if it comes out in 2080, it will be set in the not so distant future. And that is what I envision. So go with me on this journey. Picture a dystopian, not so distant future in New York City. It's cold. It's dark, but also an orange haze that hangs over the city. And at night, you have these neon bright lights take over the scenes. And emerging from the shadows, from underground beneath the sewer, are the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Leonardo, Raphael, Donatello, and Michelangelo. And on screen, they are recognizable as those beloved TMNT characters, but their personalities are so different and and darker. They're still teenagers, but man, they have seen some stuff because the future is not a happy place. The criminals are more hardened sadistic, evil. Shredder is a madman taking over New York City and they must stop him. This also is going to be a very expensive movie. I'm thinking TMNT movie with a $250, $275 million budget. I want it to feel epic. I want it to feel grand. I want it to feel unlike anything you've ever seen from a TMNT movie. No comedy, Just straight, brutal action. People getting decapitated by the turtles. That is what I want to see. And sadly, I just don't think we'll ever get there in our lifetime because they are so much associated with childhood memories and they're wholesome and they teach lessons and they're colorful and bright. But the way I see the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is entirely different because that first movie that came out in the 90s had that tone. It didn't really feel like a kid's movie But over time, they have become more and more cartoonish. So, man, I would love for this movie to happen. 2080 is the first year it could happen. My movie would be called TMNT 2084. Let's go. Number four. At number three, we're going over into the animated side. The movie is Toy Story, which originally came out back in 1995. It was the first computer animated feature film released by Pixar and distributed by Walt Disney. Since the movie came out in 1995, my version could come out in 2091. Oh man, that's a long time away. But my movie would be titled Toy Story, Playtime's Over, and it is an animated horror movie. Think about it as that original movie, but in a parallel universe where Woody actually kills Buzz. In Toy Story, he tries to just knock Buzz off so Andy can't find him. And instead of taking Buzz with him to go to Pizza Planet, he takes Woody with him. But in my version, Woody actually kills him, ices him, takes him out, makes him sleep with the fishes, thinks he gets away with it. But then old Slink starts to become a little bit suspicious of Woody, and he tries to crack the case. And at the same time, Woody is trying to tie up loose ends Other toys start getting killed because they're all going to rat on Woody. They start to question themselves. Should we get Andy involved? Should we reveal to him that we actually come alive? The entire thing ends 
with Woody dying by being thrown into a garbage disposal. The toys kill him after he admits to killing Buzz. An animated horror movie. That is what I want to see. Toy Story Playtime's over. Come to you from Movie Mike's Productions in 2091. That's at number three. At number two, the media franchise here is Pokemon. Oh, I grew up with Pokemon. It was a game series that debuted from Nintendo in Japan back in February 1996. It actually came out with Pokemon Green and Pokemon Red. In the U.S., we got red and blue. Oh, I was much more of a red kid. My go-to starter Pokemon was Charmander. He was the only great choice. And from the game debuted the TV show, which is what set this Pokemon craze on fire. It came out in 1997. My movie has to be based more on the TV show than the video game because I just draw a lot more inspiration of the way that show was set up and the way I fell in love with that show. So what I want to create is an R-rated crime thriller starring Pokemon. Think about The Departed meets Zodiac. And I want the movie to be titled Town, which is where Ash Ketchum is from. And in my film, Ash turns to a life of crime after he burned through all the money he has won battling his Pokemon, winning all these championships. All that money is gone. He's got to pay the bills. So... He turns to his team of Pokemon to help him rob a bank. Because if you think about it, if Pokemon actually existed in the real world, the first thing people would think of is, how can I use these for crime? They are essentially weapons. They are essentially things that you could use to force people to give you money, to take over countries. They would be used for war and battle. Oh, no doubt. We wouldn't be going to a Pokemon stadium to watch kids battle their Pokemon against each other. These would be on the front lines. So it's probably a good thing that Pokemon don't exist because they would be a part of our military. And that is a very dark route to go into. I wouldn't go fully that route in this movie. I would just think of the everyday person using them to their advantage to rob banks, to rob people, to take over and create their own drug lord media empires. So that is what you experience in this movie. You see his first ever heist go down, which will go a little bit awry. I could see Squirtle getting a bullet to the leg, something very dramatic happening as he's trying to figure out how to do crime with his Pokemon. But then he teams up with his evil nemesis, Gary, and together they form a very sophisticated organized crime with Pokemon as they plan to pull off the most perfect heist. So you throw in a little Ocean's Eleven in there, and that is what I envision in this movie. I can even hear the song. And I would maybe think something like if Linkin Park did the Pokemon theme song. Super dramatic, fits the tone of the movie. Makes it a little bit more hardcore. Although now that I think about it, when I hear Linkin Park singing the Pokemon theme song, it makes me feel a little bit more like it's 2007 and we're watching a Transformers movie and this song plays at the very end. Which that is another route you could go down. And I'm kind of surprised we haven't had a Pokemon movie like that. It very much feels like a big Hollywood blockbuster with very epic action that as a Pokemon fan, I think that's what I really want to see. Instead, in 2019, we got Detective Pikachu, which was cute, which was fun. 
but we really want to just see Pokemon being Pokemon and battling and fighting each other. The things we know from the video game and the TV show, we haven't really had that yet. So I hope in my lifetime we get something of that caliber. If not, we're going to have to wait until 2093 when Movie Mike's movie production comes out with Palatown because that is what I have at number two. But at number one, because the most amount of time would have to pass in order for this movie to happen, the franchise is Harry Potter. And at the earliest this one could happen is 2093 because the first book came out back in 1997. And that would be Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, which is the original title. We probably know it more as the Sorcerer's Stone. But there's kind of a weird gray area when it comes to books. But I found... When it comes to Harry Potter, the character is protected by copyright from creation until 70 years after J.K. Rowling passes. So we don't know when that is going to be, but whenever she passes away, it's going to have to be 70 years until Harry Potter enters into the public domain. So I'm going back to using the first book as my source material Looking at the earliest of 2093, since maybe there's the only gray area with Harry Potter... I'm going to make a movie about Hermione Granger, who is the unsung hero of the Harry Potter franchise, in my opinion. Emma Watson did a fantastic job portraying the character in the movies and is going to be very highly influential on my film, which is a coming of age indie film. Think of The Holdovers, which just came out last year, meets a Wes Anderson movie and also The Perks of Being a Wildflower, which Emma Watson was also in and is also a big inspiration in this movie. A very aesthetically pleasing movie, very bright colors. The magic is very muted. Again, kind of like in my Spider-Man idea. Not so much of an emphasis on all the wizardry and the magic and the special effects. It is very much just a straight-ahead drama and coming-of-age story. And I just think if you're going to make a new version of Harry Potter, why not focus on Hermione instead of Harry? Because she is a very level-headed, book-smart, and always logical character. So why not highlight her intellect and her cleverness and how she can use her abilities to learn and absorb information to defeat any possible threat? I think that is what makes her amazing. So in my head, I have a very indie-looking trailer that has just like that film quality of it. Looks like it was maybe made on a really old camera. And then you have like an indie song from the 2000s playing in the background with some light-hearted, maybe a little melodramatic voiceover. And I think the trailer would go a little something like this. My name's Hermione Granger. I was just an ordinary muggle-born girl with a love for books and a thirst for knowledge. Little did I know that my life was about to take a turn beyond my wildest imagination. You got the Hogwarts Express... Her looking out the window, pulling up to Hogwarts, all indie movie style like. That is what I have envisioned for that movie. And the earliest time that that could come out, 2093, I just think that would be an interesting film to follow those early days at Hogwarts without any of the crazy magic things happening. Less fantasy and just more feel good filmmaking. So those are my top five public domain movie ideas. I do have an honorable mention. The Incredible Hulk, which would be public domain in 2058, which really isn't that far away. The Incredible Hulk debuted in the comic book series of the same name back in May 1962, created by Marvel Comics by writer Stan Lee and artist Jack Kirby. So I would take the 
source material from those original comics and make like an Oscar bait movie that's a lot of drama and a lot of romance and just call it Bruce. And I would kind of create a similar storyline like they did in Age of Ultron, which I may get into some sticky waters there of taking inspiration from that, but I don't care. Sue me. But I always just thought that was an interesting plot point for them to work in and really try to make work. And I would focus on the idea of them actually getting away and escaping together and going into hiding. So the tone I have here is kind of like Marriage Story, which also stars Scarlett Johansson and Manchester by the Sea, a movie that's very dramatic and that you're not going to feel good by the time you finish this movie. So they run away together. They've been 10 years into this relationship, but it's starting to fall apart. They have a son who is half human and half Hulk. But then they end up losing their son. So it's all the fallout and grief of that. I just think making something that seems so fantasy-like but making it feel very grounded. I just think that would be a great take on the Incredible Hulk story, which has always been a little bit emo and maybe why it hasn't so much worked out when it comes to his standalone films. So I say go full emo and make it an all-out drama. So that is my list. Thank you for indulging me in these ideas. We'll come back. I'll give my review of Self-Reliance. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. If you struggle to get in shape and lose weight, I'm about to change your life. I'm Carl, the CEO of Body, and I don't like working out and eating healthy either. So here's how I get myself to do it. I make myself own the morning. And by the morning, I mean the first hour or so every day. It's not family time. It's not for scrolling social media. It's for my results and my health. And man, does it work. Every day I get out of bed, drink a health shake I made the night before, and then I go crush a workout in the body app and just follow along day by day. Before most people are even out of bed, I'm done for the day. So here's my offer to you. The next 500 people who go to body.com will get 65% off a full year of access to over 120 programs. 65% because I want you to start now and see how fast the pounds come off and the muscles start popping. And if they don't, hey, you get your money back. Just go to body.com. That's B-O-D-I.com. And let's own the morning together and get healthy and fit. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 
Let's get into it now. A spoiler-free movie review talking about Self-Reliant, which is on Hulu, survives 30 days while being hunted, win a million dollars. That is the premise of this movie. Now, that tagline is so slick and so smooth. Great elevator pitch for this movie, but sometimes that worries me. When a movie has that great of a tagline where you can explain the entire thing in one sentence, I think it's going to have a hard time delivering because it's so focused in on that premise. But in this case... This movie delivered. It is written, directed, and co-produced by Jake Johnson, who you probably know best from New Girl. I never watched that show. People have recommended it to me, but it's one of those shows that I've just not went back and watched. I really know Jake Johnson more for his film roles. Let's Be Cops with Damon Wayans Jr., who was also his New Girl co-star. He was great in Safety Not Guaranteed. Also a movie called Drinking Buddies. But what I really know him for and what I would pick out while watching this movie, he's Peter B. Parker in Into and Across the Spider-Verse. So when I see him on screen and hear his voice, I associate it with that role. And sometimes also when an actor directs and stars in a movie, I'm also a little bit hesitant of it. So two things that I'm always worried about this movie had a really great tagline because I feel like that's compensating for something later down the end. And then you have somebody directing and starring in the movie, but this movie delivered. And what I really enjoyed about it is it gets right to the action. This movie is 90 minutes long and wastes no time you get just a little background on his character as far as who he is as a person. You get a glimpse into his life. And then right away, this premise is thrown upon him. He meets Andy Samberg, who plays himself in this movie, takes him to a warehouse. And you have these two guys who give him this choice. Hey, you want to play this game? If you survive for 30 days, you win a million dollars. There are people who will be hunting him. And the only rule is they can't kill him if he's with somebody else. You get right into him playing the game and then all the crazy things that he has to do to try and stay alive and win the money. I also love movies that give you a question like this and make you think what you would do. And the entire time I was watching this movie, I had to go back and think like what I actually played the game, try and survive for 30 days and win a million dollars. When I really think about it, I think a million dollars isn't enough to do this. You can blow through a million dollars pretty quickly. I would need at least $10 million to even consider it. million dollars, you could win that on a scratch off down the street, play in the lottery. For something like this, where the consequences are you dying, I need more than a million dollars. Because I think for me, I could really play off of that loophole pretty easily. Being somebody who is married this past week, my wife and I have been snowed in for so long. We have spent an entire week together where we really haven't been separated that much. So you throw in maybe going to the bathroom and showering together. And there you go. I could easily make it through a week. So they probably wouldn't find married people to play this game. That'd be a little less entertaining. But I definitely think I could do that aspect of it. I would just want more money to put my life on the line. But I think that's what a great movie does. It asks a question. It starts debate. It makes you want to share this movie with other people and think what they would do in these situations. And the movie does it so effortlessly. It is just a fun, entertaining ride from start to finish. And this is one of the only movies that I didn't have completely figured out 
by the time the second act started. Because I would consider this movie a thriller. It's a very light thriller, and I wouldn't call it a full-on comedy. It has a lot of funny parts. The character interactions are great. The entire cast is superb in this movie. It really walks the line between both of those things. And for me, it worked really well. So for me, it was really refreshing to watch a movie that was not predictable and kept me guessing until the very end and kept me engaged and entertained through the very end. Also, you have to think about it's a streaming movie. And even me, when I try to be as dialed in as I can while watching a movie at home, sometimes you just get a little bit distracted. If ever there's a lull in a movie, you want to look at something else. Your phone is right there. You don't really have the same restrictions that you do while in a movie theater where my attention is 100% on what I'm watching. So I feel like sometimes streaming movies have to be so much better just to keep my attention and keep me fully engaged. And this movie did that, which I found that if I had gone to see this movie in theaters, I probably would have loved it even more. And like I said, the movie has a great cast. Anna Kendrick is a supporting role in this movie. And I don't know how Anna Kendrick does it, but any role she has, she is just incredibly charming. She could play the exact same character in every single movie, every single TV show, and I would love it. It's just something about her essence, something about the way she delivers lines, something about her interactions. It's just so great for a movie like this. If there was one thing I wanted more out of it is for her character to have more scenes. And I still stand by this, that Hulu has the best movies out of any streamer. And I'm talking about original movies. If you just go on Hulu and search through their Hulu originals, you will find something new and refreshing that's not connected to any franchise, that's not really banking on the stars in the movie. It is just great entertainment and movies that are really pushing the envelope or at least trying to bring a different perspective to a type of story. This movie did that and a lot of the recent movies I've really enjoyed on streamers have all been from Hulu. So if I had to go to one streamer to pick original content, my go-to is still Hulu. Now, they specialize a lot in comedies, dark comedies, and a little bit on the horror side, but I really think they own that so well to the point that that's what I identify Hulu with, of just having great original movies and if something is on there, I'm going to click it and I'm going to watch it and probably enjoy it. Now, if I'm looking for big stars and movies that really resemble what it's like going to the theater to watch a movie, that level of Hollywood film, I'm going over to Netflix. But I feel like those are fewer and far between. And sometimes they just really get behind promoting something like with Kevin Hart. That's just all out terrible. And they're just banking on the fact that they have A-list stars and they're saying this has been the most watched movie since, since the history of the streamer. That means nothing to me. Every now and then, Netflix will have a hit or like a hidden gem in there. But I just don't really rely on them to go and watch good movies. Max, I really only go to for anything that's Warner Brothers or DC. They really kind of got out of the original movie game. They did it a lot early on in the pandemic. And then since then... Max Originals have really gone out the window. I don't really look to them to watch a whole lot of new movies. It's really just all the things that were in theaters, and then they go there eventually. And then I go over to Apple if I want to watch something really high quality, also with an A-list star. But that's still a little bit kind of like the boutique streaming service. They don't have a whole lot over there. But I feel like it's more on the drama side, and they've kind of dipped their toes a little bit in action and comedy. I feel like in the next two to three years, 
Apple could be up there with Hulu, but right now it's like third on the list of what I go to. And then Amazon, Paramount, and Peacock are all kind of grab bag. But Hulu is still my number one, and this movie just solidified that for me. I also love that for me, it really elevated Jake Johnson in my list of actors that I just enjoy anything that they are in and now want to see more of what he is going to direct. Because as a leading actor, he did a really great job, and I feel like he put a lot of himself into this character. This was a movie that he first pitched to Netflix back in 2017 after he wrote it. He described that early script as Jacob's Ladder meets Bottle Rocket, which Bottle Rocket is one of my favorite Wes Anderson movies. Definitely got some Bottle Rocket vibe and kind of that 90s independent feel to this. And the crazy thing is that this movie was shot in 19 days, less than three weeks. And as I was saying earlier, the movie wastes no time and has really great pacing throughout the entire film. Quick 90 minutes. So maybe that 19 day filming schedule really added to that pacing of we don't have a whole lot of time. We got to go in, shoot, get what we need and then cut it up in the end. And it came out wonderfully. And finally, because going into this film, the only thing I did was watch the trailer. I really didn't know anything else about what was going to happen. And I didn't really have the highest expectations of it. And I think that is the reason I ended up enjoying it even more because I didn't expect it to feel so novel and so fresh. So for self-reliance, I give it four out of five missing teeth. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Can I give you a real incentive to lean into your decision to start working out and eating better? I'm Carl, co-founder of Body. That's B-O-D-I. And right now, if you sign up for a one-year subscription to Body, I want to make you an offer you can't refuse. I'll give you 65% off. Look, I know it's not easy to get fit and lose weight, especially if you're trying to figure it out by yourself. But we make it simple. Just follow a program for 20 to 30 minutes day by day and lose 5 to 10 pounds a month. We have over 120 programs that have been tested and proven to work, and almost 300,000 five-star reviews in the App Store to prove it. Body also has complete eating plans and thousands of healthy, delicious recipes. So stop guessing and start seeing results with Body, and I'll give you 65% off your annual membership right now so you save big on the app that CNN underscored named Best Fitness App. So don't wait. Sign up for a year of Body and save 65%. Just go to Body.com. That's Body with an I.com. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. Where have all the good live-action children's movies gone? Seems like when I was a kid, I had to start yelling at the clouds here, but when I was a kid, it feels like at least every couple months, at least every summer, there would be like a really cool live-action kids movie to get excited about. And now, there have been a lot of lackluster animation movies... Maybe because a live-action kids movie isn't as profitable, or now studios really just want to build franchises, and you can't really do that so much with live-action kids films unless they're attached to a book series. But there's a movie coming out on May 17th called If. It is from director, writer, and co-produced by John Krasinski. Yes, the guy from The Office who is also known for the horror movie franchise. A Quiet Place, but now he is really flexing his muscle in fantasy In the kids genre, it's about a girl who can see imaginary friends, also known as ifs, get it? Imaginary friends, IF. And she must help these ifs who have been abandoned by their kids. You also have Ryan Reynolds starring in this movie. And Steve Carell voices an if named Blue who is featured in the trailer and on the poster. Before I get into more why I think this movie is going to be a hit, here's just a little bit of the if trailer. I'm an if. Get it? Imaginary friend. Our kids grew up. So we need new ones. You could save all of us. All of whom? And don't say ifs. Let him say it or I think his head may actually explode. Fine. Thank you. You ready for this? This is one of the best live-looking action kids movies I have seen in a very long time. The premise of this movie really reminds me of the plot point in Inside Out that has to do with Riley and her imaginary friend Bing Bong. Oh, we all remember the tragic story that is Bing Bong, but I almost feel like this is a little bit of a ripoff of that, but it's okay because it's all these imaginary friends who are kind of abandoned, so it's a little bit of that and also Toy Story really in the mix here where their entire dilemma is their kids getting older and no longer playing with them, which is a toy's worst nightmare. So an imaginary friend's worst nightmare would be being abandoned by those kids who no longer believe in them. And I think this concept will hit with a lot of kids and that feeling of being lonely to the point where you need to develop an imaginary friend. It'll also set in with adults who maybe had imaginary friends as kids, which I had an imaginary friend back in the day. I didn't have a whole lot of real friends growing up. It was really tough for me to talk to kids my own age. But in the trailer park, I would run around with a group of kids and my best friend was named Zach. And we spent so many summers together, but eventually Zach moved, got out of the trailer park, went to, oh, the coveted place, of a real house with four walls and a roof. The thing every trailer park kid dreamed of achieving, but his house was in a town two towns over, so I never saw Zach again. Back in the day, when your friends would move away, it was a death sentence that you were never going to see this person again. 
There was no social media. I didn't have parents who would take me to visit Zach. So anybody moved out of the trailer park, they were gone out of my life. And as a result of that, I decided to create my own friends, an imaginary friend named Gary. And the weird thing is that eventually Gary stopped being my friend too and moved away much like Zach did. Why did I do that to myself? It was the only trajectory I knew for a friend that eventually they would all move away. So hopefully in this movie, same thing doesn't happen to traumatize kids to go and see this film. But I think we can all relate to, at some point in our lives, creating an imaginary friend. I love the character design in this trailer, primarily Steve Carell's character, who is this really big creature, very colorful. His name is Blue, but in the trailer and in the poster, he looks like a big purple creature. And the trailer just has this big, whimsical feel to it. And I love it when movies don't downplay the emotions or also the brain power of a kid. You don't have to dumb everything down. Kids are very smart. And I think when you deliver a story and don't take away, don't water things down to talk down to them or downplay a concept, you deliver it just like you would any film. I think that has a better chance of resonating with kids because they're going to get it. They're going to understand it probably a lot more than you think they will. So this is the type of movie we need to be making more to give kids an inspirational movie that they're going to have with them for the rest of their lives. This is a movie that it came out when I was a kid. It would stick with me and end up being one of my favorite movies. And I haven't even seen the movie yet. The other thing that surprised me about this movie is sometimes a project like this comes out and it has all these A-list actors attached to it. And that's really all they're banking on. They're, look, Ryan Reynolds is in this movie. Steve Carell is voicing a character. You have Bobby Moynihan, Emily Blunt as a unicorn, Matt Damon as a flower, John Stewart as a robot, Sam Rockwell as S-Dog, Aquafina as Octocat, Vince Vaughn is in the movie. It doesn't really look like it has that same cheap quality of them just trying to sell all the A-list stars to convince you to go watch this movie and them really just giving a lackluster performance. And maybe it's because it's from director John Krasinski, who probably has... A little bit more of a relationship with all the people in this movie. Seems to have a passion for directing and wanting to create something unique. He did it so well with the A Quiet Place movies, so this is an entirely different genre. I would assume he would want to do it well to be able to make more movies that are outside of just making horror movies. And the other thing I'm loving about this movie right now is the poster. Making a great movie poster is a lost art right now. I hate the trend that is just making the character posters. I posted the character posters recently on my Insta story for the Madam Web movie, and it's just Dakota Fanning and Sydney Sweeney's just faces and the name of the movie. It in no way does anything that makes me want to go see this movie. A great poster is one that evokes emotion, whether it be happy, sad, angry, upset, scared, and also some level of curiosity of what the movie is going to be about and entice you to want to go see that movie great image on a poster goes a long way. And that is what they did with this movie poster. It features Steve Carell's character and his large purple hand opening a window from the inside of a house with a light shining on the window with the name of the movie. And under that is the phrase, a story you have to believe to see. The movie is being described as the tale of a man who can see and talk to people's imaginary friends, befriending those who have been forgotten about or discarded. 
However, some imaginary friends lacking love and friendship turn to the dark side, and it's up to Ryan Reynolds' character to save the world from those that become evil. If has a runtime right now of one hour and 30 minutes and is coming out on May 17th. And I don't care if I'm the only 32-year-old without kids in attendance. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. And that is going to do it for another episode here of the podcast. But before I go, I got to give my listener shout out of the week. How do you become a listener of the week and get a shout out? All you have to do is tag me on your Insta story, listening to a recent episode, whether it be the episode that comes out on Monday like this one or any other previous episode that you go back in the library and check out because there are a lot up there. We are over 200 episodes into this thing now. So tag me there, comment on the clips I post every week on Reels and TikTok. This week's listener shout out comes to us via a Facebook comment I got last week on a clip from my Mean Girls review and it is Jill Aller. And Jill wrote, my 13 year old and her friends saw it this weekend and were completely disappointed. They loved the original. They did not enjoy the musical aspect and wanted more OG characters. So I found that really interesting because I thought the younger generation would want to see more of the new actors and the singing and all the things in that movie that were really put in to cater more to Gen Z, whether it be the use of TikTok or just the dynamics in high school to make them feel more modern. So I'm quite surprised that your 13-year-old wanted to see more of the 2004 version and those characters coming back. It's also just interesting to see the amount of people that were surprised and didn't know that that was going to be a musical. I honestly thought the musical elements were going to be the things that really define this movie and the things that people were loving because it made it feel different than the original movie. Was surprised of how many people just wanted a direct, normal remake. So curious to see how this will affect other films who have been turned into musicals Will they still make musical adaptations of those? Or is this just telling Hollywood, nah, let's just do normal remakes? But appreciate that perspective, Jill. Thank you for listening. Thanks to the Monday Morning Movie Crew. And until next time, go out and watch good movies, and I will talk to you later. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.